This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, good friends. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 389, recorded Monday, the 20th of August, 2018. Jason? Christopher. How's it going? It is uh, it's perfect, thank you. How about you? That's uh, that's great. It's going okay over here, too. We're recording a little later than usual, so I'm going to be up all night editing this, but that's all right. That's fine. Uh, there was a delay this evening, and do you know what I did during the delay? Uh, nope. I And I'm not going to venture a guess. I chose to take the time to sit outside on the back deck behind our house, enjoy the evening with my wife, and have a couple of drinks. Nice. That's so good. if I'm a little bit more, or I should say if I'm a little less coherent than usual, <laughs> it's because I've had a couple of beers this evening. I am more relaxed than usual. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> That's good. So uh, here we are. We are about to talk about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead, and uh, that would be Season 4, Episode 10. So are you ready to get started? I am so ready, Chris. That's good. That's good. You're always pretty ready. I like that about you. I'm, uh, I'm ready. All right. I'm, I'm, ready. I'm ready to be ready. Here we go. Let's uh, jump right in. Close your eyes and they'll fight you Tomorrow they'll bite you You'll slowly turn into a Zed They got rid of half the cast Who knows how long you last Cause this is Fear the Walking Dead Alright, thank you to our friend Anwen in New Zealand for that awesome title read Of course to the tune of... All My Lovin' by the Beatles. Nice. That's, that well, was, I figured that the Beatles wrote the words too, I bet. Well, I, I don't think those were the original lyrics, but... Are you sure? That sounds pretty, uh, it sounds pretty accurate to me for the 60s or whenever they wrote that. Yeah, it, it may be, but, uh, you know, e- either way, it was a really nice rendition by Anwen, so... Yeah. Uh, that, that well, was... little, uh, not many people know that Anwen was a member of the Beatles. <laughs> You're right. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, she was the, the the sixth Beatle that got moved up to the fifth Beatle when the fifth Beatle left the group. Right. I forget his name. Pete Best? That's it. You see the one that was kicked out early on? I think it was. That's him. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, she was the silent Beatle behind, you know, the the real talent behind Lennon and McCartney as well. Well, it was Lennon, McCartney, Anwin. That's what I figured. Right? <laughs> that's what That's what they're all credited for. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Good. All right. Well, thank you, Anwen, for that. The title of this episode is Close Your Eyes, Season 4, Episode 10. And uh, we've got ourselves essentially a bottle and or standalone episode this week, Jason. Yeah, and they even end up standing in water for a while. So it's very, very bodily. That's right. That's right. Uh, this this episode is all about Alicia, where she is, what she's doing during the storm, and uh, it ends up that she spends some time hanging out with Charlie. Uh, so they have to, you know, put their differences aside or or at least come to some sort of understanding uh, to, to save their se- themselves. Um, but what did you think about this episode in general, Jason, before we get into some of the specifics? I don't think I liked it. Really? 
Really, I'm I'm not sure. Really, I'm hoping to uh, discuss it and to come to an understanding of uh, my feelings of this episode. But I think overall, uh, once I I figured out it was a bottle episode, uh, I I became sad because I think we're going to get a series of bottle episodes of you know what this group did, what this group did, and then what this group did, and it's going to be a while before uh, before we get back to you know what these people do. Yeah, you're you're jumping the gun a little bit here because I totally agree with that. But uh, and that became obvious to me once the ep- episode was finished. I thought, well, okay, I can see how this back half of season four is going to go now. Um, but you know what? We don't know that for sure. We don't know that next week might not be dropping in on each of our groups that are spread around the the countryside uh, during this storm. But I'm with you. I kind of have a feeling that that is where we're leading. Yeah. And that I think that clouded my enjoyment of this episode because in my brain, I'm like, oh, this is the first of what, three of these we're going to get? Yeah, probably at least three. Um, but but other than that, was there anything specific that you didn't like about it? I'll give my general general thoughts in a minute, but I just want to see where where your mind is at right now. I, th- I think that's it. I think that was my biggest problem and it clouded my judgment and uh, I'm hoping you can talk me out of it. <laughs> All right. Well, sadly, I don't think I'm going to be able to. Oh, you didn't like it either? I didn't love it. Now, I did find some things in here that I did enjoy, but it it kind of goes off the rails for me a little bit and I have some specific things, but in general, I thought the opening 10 minutes were the best part. I well, thought. yeah, right up until uh, we found out that she laid the bodies outside in the same uh, in the same way as the picture of the family, and I thought that was that was the laugh out loud moment for me in the whole episode. Right, and it was I, awesome. I, I <laughs> awesomely bad or awesome? Well, I don't think it was bad. I think it was great. I thought it was clever and ironic and uh, uh, annoying for Alicia, and she had uh-huh. to put all the pictures out at. <laughs> Of the in the house outside beside them out of spite because she could have just put them in the basket and stuck them in a closet. She could have put them in a basket mm-hmm. and just put them on a porch. But no, she had to walk out into the rain and throw them beside the family as a big fuck you for being a family, even yeah. in, in death and me laying you out exactly like the family photo. Yeah. And, and see, I don't really like that part because oh. it, it, to me, it's like, I, I understand she's clearing out the house, she throws the bodies outside, and we get this 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 cut from bodies on the ground, dead family, to this nice, you know, heartwarming photo of them, pre-zombie apocalypse, looking all loving and, and you know, a nice family photo. But there's no, there's no context for it, right? It's like... Why do we get that? Is is it just a weird coincidence that she laid them out there in the same, you know, way they are in this photo? I don't understand what it does for the story or what it does for the characters. And by that, I mean Alicia, because we don't know anything about these people. But it just, it seems you random. You want me to tell you? Yeah, go I ahead. I tell you. Okay, well, so it was irony, right? That she threw them out there and then she saw this picture of this family just in the same way that she threw them out there. And it'd be like, ah, oh, shit. And she's angry because her whole family's dead now. And uh, she's the only one left. And even in death, these people end up being together in the same way they were when they were alive. And she doesn't get that. So it's kind of, uh, it was a, kind of a, a, it was both levity for me in the moment 
uh, and a bit of irony and uh, and also an indictment of her personal uh, situation where her family is also dead. And I think that the gathering of the photos and throwing them out with the family was a big fuck you for, uh, you know, being a family until the end. I can see that part, like gathering the photos of these people and throwing them out. But what I mean is, does it not feel just like a weird random coincidence that there's a photo in the house of these people looking all happy like this and it happens to coincide with the way she put the bodies out on the ground? That's what I don't like about it. Oh, yeah, yes. It was a random happenstance, and it was hilarious. <laughs> All right. It was the funniest thing I've uh, encountered in uh, in The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead in quite some time. I've had enjoyment. I've had uh, uh, delight, but I don't think I've ever laughed out loud, like actually literally laughed out loud into the ether at a moment in uh, in, in The Walking Dead or hmm. Fear the Walking Dead. Well, I'm not so sure the intention of that scene was to for comedy. That's the thing. And and so in that case, I think maybe the scene fails on one level if you found it that funny. But it just bothers me that it it it's just a weird coincidence. And I know life is full of coincidences and these things happen. But I don't know. It kind of bothered me that that it was even in there at all. I think if if she'd thrown the bodies outside and then we see her you know, exploring the house and coming across all these photos or just realizing there's a lot of photos of these people. So she takes them down and throws them out. It would have been enough. You don't need this, this weird coincidence of bodies outside lining up with one particular photo to make Alicia feel the way she does. And that's all I'm saying. Okay. So that's it. I I liked it. But it was let, the highlight of the movie, of the uh, the episode. All right. Well, let me let me get back to the opening 10 minutes. I thought the opening 10 minutes of this episode were actually really good. And what I liked about it is it was almost entirely wordless. It was Alicia um, entering the house, clearing out the zombies, uh, and just a lot of the cinematography was really good. I thought her silhouette at the door, which we saw a couple times during the episode, but the long opening shot of her approaching the door, coming up to the door, the camera's pulling back. She, she busts it open and she's standing there. Um, uh, later on, we got a similar shot upstairs, you know, with the bright window behind her. And I, I really liked all that. She's, um, she has that cool zombie double kill at the beginning where she uses her, her signature weapon and that, I don't know. Obelisk. I think it was a, it was a Washington monument. Yeah. That's an obelisk thing. All right. The Washington monument is an obelisk. It, that's what they're called. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought she looked really badass in that scene. And, and then the title card of the episode was, was awesome. Two things They're always about it. good. They're always good. But two things about this one that I particularly liked. One, it had this, the noise of the storm over it, so you couldn't hear the music quite as well. And I thought that was a nice touch. You know, the storm was drowning out the normal soundtrack. Yeah. And then the Fear the Walking Dead logo kind of started to blow away at the end. You liked that? I thought that was great. Isn't that the same kind of thing as blood splatter on the camera? No, because the the title card doesn't count as part of the episode. It's just reminding you what show, show you're watching. So they can mix it up, diff, make it different every time, and um, in in little subtle ways, 
which I, to be fair, this isn't subtle, but you know, it's, it's a little change. And I think it was really good. I'm okay with right. it. Okay. I will allow it. Uh, understood. All right. So I liked the, um, the opening 10 minutes of this episode. I thought it was really good. And then Charlie shows up in this house that Alicia has entered for, for some shelter during the storm. And the episode kind of goes off the rails for me a little bit after that. And I have a, a number of reasons why. Um, however, before we get into that, okay. I also want to say that other things I liked about this episode are the, um, the concept of it, and especially the beginning, I think gave us some decent insight more decent insight into Alicia's state of mind, how she's gone all loner and she's sort of rejected the idea of having any hope anymore. Uh, you know, taking all the photos and ditching them outside as we were talking about, I, you know, I thought was, a, was good in that, you know, she didn't want to believe that these people even existed anymore in a way. Right. So she, she just doesn't have any hope. And um, that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff I thought was pretty good here. Um, and I also thought that the actress who plays Charlie, Alexa Nissenson is her name, overall was pretty good. Right. I hope I'm not just, and I'm not sure about this, but I hope I'm not just kind of giving her a pass because she's young and, you know, relatively inexperienced. Uh, but I did think she was okay given the material she had to work with. I thought she was you know, the last episode in this episode. I think she's been doing a good job. So I don't think you're, uh, you're too far gone. Okay. Well, that's good. And I guess there's some other things I didn't mind about the episode, but I had a number of problems with it. Um, other than, other than that. Was it the tree zombie? Did, uh, you, did you really hate the tree zombie? I kind of hated how the tree zombie was used ultimately. I didn't really, I didn't, don't think it was, it was good to, to be saved by a zombie at some point. No, because it was, it was just random and meaningless to me. You know, they're stuck in the basement. They can't get out. They're forced to have this moment of, of coming together, which I didn't buy either, to be honest. And then they're saved by a zombie who randomly falls out of a tree and breaks through the basement door. And right. I just, I, I, I mean, it could have been just a tree, right? Or it could have been a, you know, uh, a wagon. I don't know. It could have been a trailer of some kind. It could have been a piece of debris of something, but it was just, you know, why not a zombie? Cause the zombies can save you if they're considered inanimate objects. Yeah. But why did it have to be anything that saved them? Why couldn't they, you know, why couldn't they they save themselves? Why couldn't they get out of there somehow? Why did all of these coincidence, coincidences have to happen to have them stuck in there to begin with, right? Go down in the basement, and then that second is when the house kind of collapses on top of the door so they can't get out through the stairs, and they're stuck. And it just felt like a, a series of coincidences that I couldn't get past. Right. You had a, did you have, was it uh, the feminism angle where the two women stuck in a basement had to be saved by a man, even though he was undead? 
I mean, maybe subconsciously a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I just feel like it was a poorly written episode. Right. And 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 I didn't buy into a lot of the stuff that I was seeing on screen. And and if I can't believe that this is happening, I you know, I have trouble with the episode in general. I have I have huge troubles with uh, shows in general if I have uh, problems with the uh with the core structure of uh, what I'm supposed to believe. Right. And that's that's I think what I'm trying to say here is that it's just I couldn't believe the sequence of events. And right. um not only that, I couldn't buy into the the sort of micro character development that we were getting here and the the time spent and where alicia starts this episode and where she finishes it in terms of her attitude towards charlie yeah uh i didn't i didn't believe enough happened to to have her change her sort of outlook or relationship with charlie uh that much i th- i think i know what my problem was with this episode uh-huh i cynically figured it out after 10 minutes and uh, after the first 10 minutes, like you were saying, and I gave up on the episode mentally. I was like, okay, this is a bottle episode with Charlie and Alicia, and they're going to make up and be friends at the end of this. Uh, and then I stopped caring right at that particular moment and then just let the episode play out without giving a shit at all. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't have that problem because I, in, I try to invest myself in it. I try to stay engaged in it. Um, even though you sort of know, yeah, like you said, what's coming, you say, okay, well, we're getting Alicia, we're getting Charlie. We know they obviously have some problems or some, um, you know, conflict (laughs) to resolve. And this is going to be the episode where it happens. But why does it all have have to happen at once over the course of, what was it, like 24 hours? There was one night, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, but, uh, you know, uh, kind of resisting conflict or, you know, working through conflict together really kind of is a, is a bonding, is a bonding thing. So they, they're not just together, but they're together in a situation where they can't easily get away from and they have to survive. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily, you know, directly zombie related. It's more, uh, zombie hurricane related. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it just, it's, it's a perfect setup for, uh, the, excuse me, this bottle episode where they're going to make up and be uh, best friends afterwards. Yeah. And I just, I kind of figured that out early and I, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you didn't give up on the episode and you obviously haven't because you have strong opinions about the, you know, not, not giving us enough information or not uh, <clears throat> giving us enough to firmly believe in that. Uh, I just, I mentally gave up early on in this episode once I figured out what was going to happen. Right. Well, and 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 I'm I'm not I'm just not like that. I tend not to do that. I stick with it. I try to um I, you know, I try to go with the episode and 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 buy into what they're trying to do. So I have some I have a bunch of things that I can that I think are a little more nitpicky, but then other things that I think are less nitpicky and a little bit more um important okay. overall. So when Charlie shows up the first thing I thought was Alicia just killed four walkers in this house. Yep. Yet Charlie is in there somehow. How is she there? Why is she there? Are you telling me that she was just hiding in the house upstairs with these four zombies in the place for some reason? I, 
I, I wanted to know what brought her there. Why was she there? I mean, was she trapped there because of this, these zombies? It, it didn't make any sense that she was somehow in the house hiding upstairs while the house was infested with four zombies and four zombies in a house is a fairly dangerous situation. That was the first thing that occurred to me. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Alicia comes in here, is very capable, has a weapon. Um, Charlie had a gun, we find out later, but hadn't used it that we know of to kill zombies in the house. And and so that I was like, I don't understand. Like, what's she doing there? That doesn't make any sense to me. So that was one thing. And I, I consider that a bit of a nitpick, but it's the kind of detail I think needs to be explained. Yeah, and that's the kind of detail that a uh, police detective would uh, get stuck on, and uh, and you know think of uh, you know if if this, that kind of detail was, came up in a crime investigation, there'd be a detective going, "Geez, I don't really understand what's going on there," and until I understand what's going on and it makes sense to me, uh, somebody's going to jail, right? right. So uh, yeah, that definitely is. Uh, there's a missing piece there that needs to be resolved, right? And and I don't think it's fair to say. Just suspend your disbelief because we do that enough on the show and we do that in important ways, you know, to believe that there are zombies and everything else we have to believe. But this kind of thing, Alicia comes looking for shelter and she finds it, but she has to clear the danger from the house. Yet um, Charlie is there for some reason, unless we're supposed to believe that Charlie appeared after Alicia has cleared out the house, but I really don't think that's the case. And again, because there's not a lot of time, at least according to what we're shown in the episode. So maybe a nitpick, but it's the kind of thing that bothers me. And, right. and I didn't get it. Um, uh, and then, you know, there's a scene later on when Alicia's trying to start the fire downstairs. And this is the scene where Charlie goes out and finds the zombie stuck on the tree. Right. And then Alicia comes up and saves her Yep. again, a bit of a nitpick, but it seemed to me in the episode that Alicia feels like a breeze or something from upstairs when, when Charlie opened the door and I guess that's okay, but I didn't really, I didn't really buy into the fact that, Alicia knew that Charlie was in trouble because she sensed it from downstairs. Well, I mean, she was trying to start a fire and all of a sudden her, her flame blew out, right? She knew that there was a door open somewhere or a window open somewhere and she went to investigate. So I don't think she was going to save Charlie. I think she was like, ooh, the fuck opened a window when I'm trying to start a fire down here in the middle of a hurricane. And yeah. uh, and then she went upstairs and found the open door and... And there was Charlie with the uh, tree zombie. But entire an entire story away, like I don't know. It oh, I can tell. Didn't uh, ring true to me. I can tell when I leave the house. Right, this is not related to hurricanes or anything like that. But when I leave the house and I close the front door, right then I can tell if there's a window open because of the air pressure in the house. Mm-hmm. I know the difference between closing the door when all the windows are closed. Or closing the door when there's an open window somewhere in the house. Okay. And if that happens, I go looking throughout the house to try and find the open window to close it. All right. Well, maybe maybe, maybe it works then, but it, maybe it's the way it was shot, right? She's trying to light this fire and then the door opens, or the, yeah, the door opens upstairs and we get this shot of Alicia going, huh, there's a door open somewhere. My, <laughs> my door sense is tingling. 
<laughs> yeah. It just, again, it felt kind of dumb to me. So another nitpicky thing, I can, I can let that one go even more. But the first thing that I think was, was, was a bigger thing that bothered me is Alicia decides to run away. When she finds Charlie, she decides to leave. She ends up going outside to try to get in the car to drive away and ends up knocking herself out with the car door. Uh-huh. That was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely stupid. Because, I mean, this, this, I guess accidents happen, but come on. She is a capable person who just cleared out zombies from a house. She's really going to knock herself over with a car door. Is it a moment of panic that we're supposed to believe and she's not herself? And so she falls down and hits her head on a rock. I mean, I guess it could happen, but it's felt to me like it was undermining her character a little bit. A little bit. I mean, you have kids. I have Jasper. Uh, you know what it's like for someone who doesn't understand physics to try and do something that is inherently not going to work and is going to cause them injury, mm-hmm. right? Like they're pulling on something too hard. Are they more likely to throw themselves back five feet and back their, bang their head? Or are they more, more likely to get a, a mouth full of whatever they're pulling on, right? They're going to bash themselves in the face if it all, all of a sudden comes loose and they're pulling on it. Yeah. Because their body has momentum, right? Of course. It's not just going to fly back all of a sudden. They're going to, it's going to release, they're pulling hard, and they're just going to pull the thing right into the middle of their mouth. Right. That She would have got a mouthful of door, is what I'm saying, is that she wouldn't have got thrown back. She would have bashed herself in the face with a door. Or, I mean, she would have done both, which kind of is what happened here. Like, you know, she bashed herself, fell down, and that's it. But I don't know. It just, again, I didn't love it because she was... She was not behaving as I think Alicia would. And, and I guess She was it. throwing a tantrum is what she was doing. Yeah, but I, I was going to say I get it. Like, she's in a traumatic situation, so maybe she's, she's not behaving the way she, we would expect because of that. I don't know. But, you know, she, she knocks herself out, and then we're supposed to believe that Charlie comes out and drags her inside, which... Um, I'll be honest, if I was unconscious on the ground, I do not think my daughter, who's 11, could drag my unconscious body into a house. She was on a sled. When she woke up, she was on a sled, which would have been easy to drag her along the slick mud and stuff outside. Right. Getting her up the stairs, the, like onto the porch, and then into the uh, into the house, maybe, maybe not. But, uh, you know, getting her onto the sled would have been the hardest, hardest part there. Okay, fair enough. I didn't notice the sled, but I'm glad you did, uh, because um, we're going to take some heat later in this episode for something we didn't notice last week, Jason. <laughs> okay, good. We'll we'll get to that. No, I like that. Uh, and also, uh, while you're calling out physics of uh, dragging people around, I really don't think that Alicia has the strength to drag four people out into the uh, into the yard and dump them down. Like she would have had to pick up those zombies and fire them and carry them all the way over there and throw them down. I don't think I could have done that. Well, that, I, that doesn't bother me. I think I, for some, I do think she could do that. She could, she could at least pick them up and drag them along the ground. Yeah. I don't see the reason that wouldn't be possible, but, um, anyways. Well, she's stronger than I am. I'll give her that. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I think that's probably a true statement. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. And then we're, I'm still sort of talking about the beginning, you know, third of this episode, There is a scene when Alicia is outside the bedroom door talking to Charlie through the door. Yeah. 
and I thought this monologue she delivered here was really rough. Really, really rough. And it was written... It's it's not her fault, necessarily. I think Alicia Debnam Carey did the best she could with the material she was given, but I think this writing was brutal. She basically recaps the events of season 4A, the first half of this season. She's she's trying to explain that she wants to live up to her mom's legacy, but she actually delivers this line. She says, I can't send you out there. But if you're in this house with me, I will probably kill you. I don't know if I want to kill you. I just know I probably will. That's brutal. Like, that is terrible writing, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. It didn't jump out at me when I watched it. But uh, yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, like, I'm sorry. I don't want to, like, I don't want to criticize too much, but... First of all, she's just sort of telling us what we've already watched in the first half of season four, which we don't need because we've all watched it. And then that is like, I don't know if I want to kill you. I just know I probably will. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know if I want to kill you, but I want to kill you. Yeah. And I, I don't want to kill you, but, you know, I kind of want to kill you anyway. I don't know. It's I thought I immediately thought to myself, my God, that is that is terrible. <laughs> And, you know, watching it again, it, it certainly didn't get any better. She goes on to explain to Charlie that she's garbage and she has to live with what she did. And I'm like, yeah, n no shit. Like, we're not idiots, people. We know this. We we don't need to be told. And I think there was a little too much of that kind of dialogue or that kind of monologuing in this episode. Things we already know, things that we as the audience are smart enough to understand about these characters uh, because of what we've seen them do and say in the past. Right. So I think that was really, really poorly done. And that took me out of it more than anything. Well, a couple of things there. One is uh, when storytelling, you have to, it's a fine line between um, giving too much information on uh, stuff the audience already knows and getting them caught back up to speed. Right, you've read series of yep. books where the first few chapters they get you caught up on some of the stuff that you probably already knew, but books come out years apart, right? So uh, you have to do that unless you're a fan of going and rereading old books before the you get the new book that just came out, which I've done in the past. Yeah, but uh, so there's there's a fine line you have to do uh, that you have to skirt there. Uh, the other thing is uh, you don't recap things for people that they already know. I tend to do that too much. It drives my wife crazy. She's like, I know that already. It's like, no, I'm just setting the context here. You know? uh, and I do that at work all the time when somebody, uh, like we're, uh, we get into a meeting, everybody knows what the meeting is about. And it's a, basically, I'm running the meeting. I start off with context for the meeting and I'm getting everybody up to speed on exactly what I'm talking about. Even though 90% of the people in the audience already know what the hell's going on and why I brought everybody together. So I try and recap things really quickly. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Ninety percent. That ten percent needs to be brought up to speed, though. So, so, and that's why people. That's why storytellers do this kind of thing because most of the people, you and I especially, uh, don't need to be caught up because we're watching things uh, at a very fine grain level, right? Whereas a lot of people, the casual viewers, are like, "Oh yeah, her brother died. Oh yeah, Charlie killed him." <laughs> right? We they have to get them caught up again just to, to remind them what the hell's going on because people have busy lives and they can't remember some TV show, uh, you know, seven weeks 
after uh, what happened, what the original story was to what's going on now. So you got seven weeks of uh, summer fun and surfing and skiing, skiing. It's the summer, whatever. You can ski if you want to in the summer. Uh, you know, kayaking, all that kind of stuff, going to the cottage. You wipe your memory of absolutely everything. So the storyteller has to get you caught up every now and again. I don't know, man. I don't know if that really is is the case. Like, I get well, it. They also do a previously on before the episode starts. And that's oh, those are very important. That's, uh, yeah. That, so they should have done that in the previous on, previously on. Because even though uh, I've noticed... That's what tells you exactly what's going to happen in an episode. You were previously on and they pull something from like two years ago. I'm like, well, that's coming back in this episode, I guess. Right. And, but, but I don't think the problem with this is she basically just outlined what happened and there, there's a better way to do it. There has to be, you know, refer to things without actually just saying them or something. I don't know, but, um, I just thought it wasn't very good. There's another example later where I think the writing was just as bad. Um, after Alicia saves Charlie out from the tree zombie, who's, you know, Charlie goes out there and is getting too close to it. Alicia, Alicia pulls her back in and they're sitting around and Charlie asks, why did you save me? And Alicia's answer is, I don't know. <laughs> first of all which i think yeah. is in of itself kind of kind of lame but then the next line or a couple of lines she has i feel like is her just expressing what the audience is already thinking or already knows because here's i wrote this down or i quoted her here and she says what did you think i was going to say i saved you because i see something in you because i forgive you for what you did to my family i'm not going to say that it's not true I can't help you, so whatever it is you're looking for, you're not going to get it, not from me. And I'm like, yes, we we understand that. You don't have to tell us that. You know, Alicia is suffering some stress, some post-traumatic stress here. She doesn't really know why she's doing things, but you don't have to lay it out for us in such a blatant, obvious fashion. So I just, I I feel like they were struggling the writers were struggling on this one a little bit to come up with some satisfying dialogue that furthered the story furthered the characters without just kind of recapping what we already knew or or blatantly saying what we already know as the audience so right it it just bothered me and i thought um, I thought it was too bad for Alicia Debnam Carey because she's been very good lately. And I thought her portrayal portrayal of Alicia on the show has been amazing. And she's a great actress, but she wasn't given, you know, the best material to work with here. And I was disappointed. That's fair. So that's a bad line, too. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. There's some there's some bad lines. I, I just don't think people talk like that. You know, they don't say did you think I was going to say this? Well, I'm not because I don't want to, <laughs> you know, like right. people don't talk. Some like people, that. some people do. Uh, I suppose. I don't know, but I don't respect those people, but some people talk like that. <laughs> some people talk like that. Yeah. Um, earlier though, the give me your coat scene where the gun is revealed. Yep. Uh, this one didn't bother me quite as much, but at first I was like, man, why is she being so intense about making her 
give up her coat. Like Alicia screams it at Charlie, basically give me your coat. And I just thought I felt like it was a bit of a weird way to have the gun revealed. Like, so, so Charlie's hiding the gun and we need to get it out in the open so that it can be, you know, part of the episode and and be used later on. Uh, but this is how they chose to do it. Like Alicia was so concerned with drying Charlie's coat by the fire, which I don't think was even lit yet that she's like, give me your coat, give me your coat and screaming, give me your coat just yep. so we can have a gun fall out of it. It felt ham fisted to me. Well, it did. And I can just, uh, I can see Alicia's discussion with the director and the writers going, uh, okay, so I want the coat. What's my motivation for wanting the coat so intently? Shut up and read the line. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do, do, do you need a reason for wanting that coat? Not really. We need Not really. to have the gun fall out of it. So you just need to get it off of her. Um, right. And that's, that's, you can feel that in the episode and that's, yeah. you know, bad too. All right. Let's talk about something that I think is a little bit better done. How about that? Okay. The eating scene where they're having dinner together. Do you think so? I really hated those spoons. Okay. Those kinds of spoons drive me nuts. Just give me a regular spoon. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I didn't notice the spoons, but I thought the scene worked better than a lot of the other stuff because I did completely buy in and believe Charlie just sort of awkwardly trying to make conversation, you know, after what's what's happened and you know she's asking about how long do you think the storm will last and where are you from or have you ever been to the beach and on one hand i thought charlie kind of being awkward and just trying to talk to her was really good because that's what would happen you know you you might just sit there in silence but if you're not going to sit in silence you're going to talk about trivial things like where did you come from and and do you like the beach right that worked for me um you know, uh, I'll explain why later. Well, I was just going to say it also served to remind Alicia of her past pre-apocalypse and also post-apocalypse and some of the things she's been through to get to this point, which I think is valuable and useful. And it's it's important to the story and the character. Um, so this scene worked for me and I give the credit here um, partly to Alexa Nissenson, but also to the story uh, creators and the writers here, because this is the kind of scene that I think would happen in this situation, right? Um, and it worked for the episode. So I didn't hate all the writing. Here's an example. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So the reason you thought that that was good was that's a uh, conversational technique. Okay. If you need to have a conversation with somebody, you pick the, uh, there's five topics of uh, conversation. Where are you from? Uh, uh, what do you do for a living if it's not uh, work related? Yep. Uh, what about your vacations? Tell, tell me about where you, what you like to do on vacations, that kind of stuff. Uh, tell me about uh, hobbies and interests. And then uh, there's a fifth one. I forget what it is. I'm horrible at small talk. I can't talk to people to save my friggin' life. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's exactly what she's employing here, right? She's like, oh, where are you from? Did you live near the beach? Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. Where do you like to vacation? What do you do in your spare time? It's like, well, in my spare time, I uh, I eat food because usually I am i don't have time to eat food. <laughs> but uh, today I have some spare time here to eat food and I really like doing that. Shut up. If if eating food is your answer to what do you do in your spare time, that, <laughs> that, that may 
be why you're not very good at small talk, Jason. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't. No, I'm good at answering questions. I'm not good at ans- asking them. Oh, okay. Like if somebody asks me a question, I can run on for, well, depending on the, the audience, right? Like I don't want necessarily want to run on about uh, building a desk. Uh-huh. People really don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, there's all kinds of things that, that nobody cares about. I could talk about Lego for like a year and a half. If you had any interest whatsoever in talking about Lego, I can talk about Lego. It's weird. I can talk about Lego for a long time. Uh, I, I know that about you and I don't personally find it weird, but I can see how other people might. Yeah. So it's not really, it doesn't really come up in conversation all that much because I don't bring it up. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm horrible at asking people questions because generally I just don't care. All right. Well, there you go. But this scene worked and, um, you know, I thought to myself, this is how people talk before when Alicia was outside the door, um, saying, I want to kill you, but I don't know why, or I might, whatever it was. Um, I thought to myself, this is not how people talk. And that happens in shows sometimes, and sometimes you can let it go, but I just thought it was especially bad here, but pretty good in the dinner scene. All right, good. Um, then they are forced into the basement because the zombies outside, you know, are coming through. The storm is getting worse. And as I already said, uh, I thought having the whatever happened, like the stairs collapse or the house collapse onto the stairs and block their escape route, I thought was... A little um, convenient for the episode. They needed to get them stuck in the basement. Not that it wouldn't happen, but just the fact that they just went down there and then it crashes in, you know, I guess. I guess it's okay, but it took me out of it a little bit. Um, it, but it just forces to the, them to have this, this I don't want to die scene. And the scene that kind of forces them to... Uh, have this moment right where they 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 understand each other yeah and like you said we all knew that's where it was going but it felt forced to me yeah and that was the cleanest basement water i've ever seen in my whole life Uh, yeah that's true if if a base if (laughs) if there was a flood and the basement filled up with that much water that kind of a you know basement too i feel like it would be a little murkier it'd be like 60 percent feces is what that would that would be and like 30 percent mud because your sewer's backing up. Right? Yeah, everything would just back up into your house. They're chest deep in, uh, or almost like head deep in, because they got to stand on things. Uh, so that's all flooding, right? That water is not clean. You wouldn't be able to see anything in there, mm-hmm. except for floaty bits. Yes. Well, that's Possibly. gross. <laughs> Super gross. I wouldn't stand in there. I mean, they have no other option, but I know what you mean. That's true. Yeah, and she's trying to break out through glass bricks using her flashlight. Impossible. Uh, and she's reaching over like this big metal bracket in order to do it. It's mm-hmm. like, use, use the metal bracket there, <laughs> person. Use Yeah, you know, get, get some bashing force going on. Your flashlight just ain't doing it. But even then, like, it's probably tough to break those things. Yeah, and they're probably only like six or seven inches high, so you probably wouldn't fit in there anyway. All you do is open up a channel for water to get in. Get in, yeah. It's not like it would get the water out of the basement, but so you know, I don't know. We we get this scene where they're up to their necks in water, and Charlie tells a story about her parents uh, at the beach, and and they or not at the beach, but having turned and not remembering what they looked like, and then she asks Alicia to 
murder her, to kill her, because she feels there's no hope in this situation. Which I'm not, you know, I, I'm I'm not totally against that idea. Murder? Uh, well, that a, that a that a ten year old kid or an eleven year old kid would come to that conclusion. Like in the real world, it it boggles my mind. Like I can't even imagine that sort of thing. But in this situation. And the fact that it's a TV show and stuff, I guess I can sort of get on board with that. Um, but so Alicia raises the gun, points it at her. We get these flashbacks of Nick and Madison looking happy at times. We get Nick smiling and, you know, we get Alicia remembering what Madison did to save them and all these sorts of things. And instead of this is going to sound terrible, but for me, instead. In these memories for Alicia, instead of making her want to kill Charlie more, they make her want to kill Charlie less. Right. And I did not believe that. I that I was true. I was hoping that in this scene Alicia would pull the trigger. Really? Do the same thing as Carol did to that other little girl that did exactly the same thing, kill somebody who wasn't dead already? It may say more about me than anything else, but I I kind of wanted to. I didn't believe that what they'd been through together in this 24 hour period was enough for Alicia to suddenly have come around and um, what is it like just be, have a completely changed attitude towards Charlie. I didn't believe it. I didn't buy it. I was like, maybe if she's come around a little bit, this moment, if anything you would think would, would bring her back again to this girl is responsible for the death of my brother, at least, and arguably my entire family. And I'm going to pull this trigger now. But she breaks down saying, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I didn't understand why. Right. I, I don't under, I don't have any answers for you. I'm, I'm afraid if you're if you're looking for an answer, uh, I don't have that answer because uh, I'm not that guy. I don't and, uh, think you're going to have to look somewhere else. I don't think the answer is there is, is the problem. And that's, that's a big issue for me. You know, I just didn't believe it. Now I know there are probably lots of people out there that, that did and were completely on board. And I'd like to hear from you. I'd like you to change my mind because it really kind of bothers me that I don't feel like there was enough in this episode to justify the outcome. Um, not, not murdering somebody, not murdering uh, a young girl. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's course, not an easy thing when you put Chris. it like that. I mean, it <laughs> sounds horrible, but I'm, I'm like thinking from a character and a story perspective. I understand why Alicia would be upset with this girl, to put it yeah. mildly. I don't understand why what we saw here would bring her around to the other side. Right. Okay. So there's, uh, to be clear. There's lots of reasons to not murder a young girl. Lots of them. Yes. They just didn't show any in this episode. In my opinion, they just right. didn't give them to me. That's right. All right. So there's lots of reasons. Just put one on the screen and you'd be fine. One or two. That's yeah. probably all I need, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I am, um, you know, a moron who has misinterpreted a lot of things or who, who isn't seeing things that are right in front of my face. And that's why I want help with this, but I'm just not getting it at this point. And then 
the zombie falls onto the doors and they're they're saved by a magic coincidence zombie that was up oh, there. They set that up before. Come on, that was fine. He's in the tree from the wind, and he got stabbed through the torso with uh, a tree limb, and the tree limb was all rickety-rockety. The cradle will rock. The bow will break. Down will come zombie. Cradle and all. Right? <laughs> yeah. Is that the way it goes? <laughs> uh, something like that, yeah. Um, but I, how, I much, just... how much lead-in do you need to have this kind of payoff? They showed the zombie before. It was stuck on a tree. It fell. I felt like even the characters, though, couldn't believe that this just happened because when they're after they climb out and they're standing there and they realize what happened, like Charlie says, Alicia, look, he fell on the door. He saved us. And I felt to myself, yeah, I know. Even you can't believe that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. I get it. They set it um, up. And even I, in the, uh, the 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 season poster for this uh, this show has zombies flying around through the air landing on things last season last episode we had zombies landing on things going kathunk 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 not in a good way yeah in this way it, it was a good way uh i guess i don't know it again it just it all felt too contrived to me you know right. the zombie falls off and breaks the door right at the moment alicia is pointing the gun and I get it. It's a TV show. It's a story. They they do these things for dramatic effect. Right. And it, it wouldn't, maybe it, it would make less sense if it happened, you know, not at that moment of tension. You know, you need to do those sorts of things when telling yeah, a story. a little too deus ex, maybe. Right. Yeah, a little too deus ex. Okay. If, so. if they were saved by something they had done earlier in the episode that paid off at this point, then mm-hmm. maybe... Instead of just a random happenstance? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Okay. So I think overall what I'm trying to say is I was disappointed by the writing in this episode. Because the actual dialogue, for the most part, I thought wasn't very good. And just the structure and concept of the episode, I don't think, came together very well for me. Right. And maybe it was it is a problem with uh, the, these uh, these two women don't have their own agency. Uh, nothing they did, uh, everything was reacting to the natural world. There was nothing proactive that they were doing uh, to progress their stories. Mm-hmm. Everything was reactive. So maybe that was part of the problem. I can see that as being part of the problem is that they were only reacting to the situation. Nobody in this episode was proactive in anything. Yeah, and then, you know. And that, and I didn't really think of it in that context, but you might be right. And, and, and just subconsciously, that's why it wasn't working very well for me. Right. Um, I want to see people doing things. I want to see people being good at their jobs. Right. (laughs) And in this case, being good at your job is, you know, saving yourself or helping to save yourself. So actually performing actions that, that, uh, you know, propel your plot forward. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> okay. And and I didn't see much of that in this one. Yeah, I don't do much of that myself either, but I'm not a story, right? Obviously. No, you're just real life. <laughs> and not a good one. <laughs> there you go. So there's really only two more scenes in this episode. Um, the first one is the car scene after the storm is over. Well, I mean, there's some burying of the people and stuff like that, but um, that stuff I was kind of okay with but the car scene when they're driving back and alicia's describing the beach 
to uh, Charlie and Charlie's got her eyes closed, which is where the title of the episode comes from. I thought it was a bit much, to be honest. Yes, it was a nice moment. But again, at this point, I already didn't believe that Alicia would have come around to having this attitude towards Charlie. So I just couldn't get on board with her being like so nurturing to her. Big sistery. Yeah, big sistery. It, so, I mean, it didn't well, really work for me here either. They just had to open up the storyline where uh, Alicia wants to be more like her mom. Her mom had a family. Her mom protected her family. She mm-hmm. wants to do that. Uh, I can see that uh, her being more nurturing to Charlie is part of that desire to be more like her mother was with her family. And so if we had been told that as part of this storyline, I think that it would have been uh, a little bit more believable. Well, I, I don't. I don't think necessarily we weren't told that. I think actually we can take that from the episode, but I just don't think it would happen so easily and so quickly. You know, it feels perfunctory to have her doing it all of a sudden right now. Like they didn't earn it. You know, I don't feel like Alicia's character development was earned to this point. I'm not unhappy with the fact that they're, they've gotten to this point. It's just, they didn't take their time. Right. Um, you got to remember that it's really exhausting to be an asshole all the time. It's <laughs> well, really hard. Yeah, well, but you have to be for a while if you're going to change this much. You got to be you got to embrace the asshole and then change. But she was being an asshole before and she gave it up, right? And it's a it's a lot more freeing and relaxing to stop being that jerk and just be uh, a little more accepting of the people around you. It's really hard to be angry all the time. I guess. Got to be so exhausting. I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't earned. That's all my own, my main point. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so finally they get back. The storm is over and they find everybody missing. Um, Morgan is gone. The, the school bus is overturned. Uh, you know, they don't know what to do. And again, would that school bus overturned on the bridge, you think, or do you think it would just kind of move over, maybe move to the end of the bridge? It just looked like it, you know, just rotated. Yeah, you know, I, the, I don't think it would move at all. Overturned, well, it might slide around. I mean, they're, they're basically buses are you know big sails because mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of weight up top, so there's probably a, they get blown around by the wind a lot. Yeah, uh, so I, I can see it being smooshed up against the side of the bridge or even moved off of the bridge. Or like on an angle, but just it just looked like it just rotated on its uh, long axis. Yeah, and it just seems unrealistic to me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, um, but that's not the biggest problem I had with that scene. No, <laughs> no. And my God, I feel so negative here, but I can't help it. I I got to be honest with with myself. So, her and Charlie show up here. Um, they kill that zombie, and then the point of this scene is charlie wants she says so much she wants to she wants to find them she wants to help them she's like john dory and june are gone we have to find them and then alicia says no they're gone and things won't get better and i'm thinking to myself okay regardless of what I thought about the the point here that they're trying to make with Alicia and where they've taken her character, doesn't this contradict what we've just been told in this episode? Because 
just before this, before they left the house, they bury the people and, you know, Alicia is putting the photos in the jar by them. And Charlie walks up and says, did you do this for me or for them? And Alicia says something like, I did it for the people who could come back, as in the people who might come back looking for these people, other loved ones, other family members. Um, You know, I did it for them to to just give them something to live for, something to hope for. And now, like two minutes later in the episode, she's saying, no, they're gone. They're dead. They're not coming back. We can't help them. We should just we should just move on. Things she says to her, things don't get better. They get worse. Yeah, that does contradict. And even uh, surviving a storm and then coming out into the nice fresh air after a storm. You got to feel a little good, right? You do. Everybody knows that feeling. You feel refreshed. You feel rejuvenated. But, you know, this just, I was like, what are you doing to me, show? You just tried to tell me that Alicia was changed and she had this new attitude, but she doesn't. Does she? I don't know. I, her character's all <laughs> over the place here. And, yeah. uh, uh, it was so weird. Um, and it didn't work. The whole thing didn't work for me, and which sucks because I love Alicia Debnam Carey, and I think she's been fantastic on this show for a long time. And they just screwed the pooch with this one. All right. So, how did you? What did you feel about the closing credits? Was were they okay? <laughs> closing credits. You know, I was fine with it. All the names that came up uh, of the people who did they uh, spell everything correctly. <laughs> yeah, the spelling was impeccable. <laughs> I got nothing, nothing bad to say about the spelling. <laughs> All right, good. So the opening credits and the uh, the opening uh, shot, uh, title card, and the closing credits, uh, they were okay with you. Hey, man, the no, opening no issues. The opening ten minutes of this episode, I thought were great, and then it went off the rails. All right, then. So yeah, um, I have a few notes that I would just like to throw out here. Um, I did actually feel like the storm was progressively getting worse. As the episode was going on, I don't think it, they don't, I don't think they really did anything obvious to make me feel this way, but, uh, I don't know. I felt like the storm was getting worse while they were in the house. So that's fine. So the fact that the basement started flooding quicker and stuff, you know. Well, that's because the house collapsed, right? There's no (laughs) roof anymore. (laughs) So all the rain is coming in. Uh, yes, I guess so. But I don't know. They made me, they made me feel the danger from the storm. And I right. thought that until was there was slow. no more danger all of a sudden until, which is, you know, storms work that way, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fine. You know, storms are dangerous until they end and then you're fine. Yeah. Um, nailing the shutters closed when they're out there, nailing the shutters closed and they, the zombies start showing up and Alicia says, we're making too much noise. I'm like, you're in the middle of a raging hurricane and one little hammer is too much noise. That was stupid. Yeah, and frankly, a couple of things about that that I didn't necessarily want to bring up is that you got to use more than one nail per shutter because nails are good at uh, preventing shear, uh-huh. right? If you nail two things together and you and you uh, yeah you shear them, nails are pretty good at holding, but they are really bad at holding from uh, you know uh, pulling apart. Mm-hmm. If you nail something together and you try and pull it up, it just comes right up. That's what you need screws for. You use a screw to hold it together. That's why you screw a deck down and you don't nail it down. Right. Because all those boards are going to start coming up any minute. You're going to be nailing boards down every two weeks for the rest of your life. You screw the deck boards down and they stay down. Right. So using one nail on a shutter, 
that shutter's just going to fly open any second now. You use 60, 70 nails, that thing will stay closed for a little while. You use three screws, that thing's staying closed. Yeah, exactly. So get a, get a screwdriver, find some screws, wood screws, uh, you know, drill a pilot hole if you can. But if you can't, you just start screwing things in. So right. yeah, nails were a mistake. And uh, uh, Alicia really didn't know how to use a hammer. She was choked up too high and she was just hammering with <laughs> Just technique is all wrong. Well, listen, I'm not surprised you picked up on those sorts of things, and there are valid points. But for me, within the context of what we know about this world, yes, noises attract them. That's fine. But when there's a massive storm around you, I don't think that a little extra hammering is going to be, oh, my God, we're making so much noise right here. They're going to come to us. I was like, that just felt like laziness again. It's like, we need some zombies to show up, so we're going to have her hammer something, and the zombies are going to show up. Right. If you were on the shore of a lake on a calm summer night, hammering makes a lot of fucking noise. But not in the middle of a thunderstorm or a tornado it's not really a tornado. It's more of a hurricane than a tornado. Yeah, sure, a hurricane, but loud, no matter what. Thunder. Oh, very loud, yeah. Thunder. The zombies are not, they don't have super hearing. They just have human hearing, if that. Right, right? exactly. Exactly. So I was dumb. Um, at the end, when Alicia gives Charlie her her signature weapon, do, can we have a name for this thing, please? Did we come up with a name last week for it? No. That... Uh, GPMG uh, thing to prevent you from touching the barrel because the barrel is probably really stupid hot. I don't like that. That's a bad name. <laughs> we need a well, name. I don't. I don't have anything for you. It's broken, probably called a broken gun barrel. It's not really a barrel though. It's the thing that goes around the barrel. Let me let me do some research here. All right. Well, my point is, Alicia gives Charlie the weapon. She she you know Charlie has it, and then she she goes to give it back, and Alicia. Uh, says, no, you keep it. Um, I thought that was kind of dumb. So I was glad at the end, at the very end, um, she takes it back to kill a zombie. And then she sort of stares at it for a second and she didn't give it back to Charlie. So she, she hung on to it. Like, I, I actually liked that bit. That was a nice touch. She, she lost it and got it back. Um, but I don't think they needed the whole bit about, no, you keep it. You know, I don't need the weapon anymore. It's called a barrel shroud. Okay. So her, her barrel, no, her, um, sharpened barrel shroud. Okay. Sharpened barrel shroud. Yeah. It's a covering attached to the barrel of a firearm, firearm that partially or completely encircles the barrel, which prevents the operator from injuring themselves on hot barrels. So can we call it an SBS? No, a barrel shroud. A BS? Well. (laughs) Alicia's BS. There was a lot of it this episode. It's her sharpened barrel, her sharpened shroud. Well, that's what I'm saying. A sharpened sharp- barrel shroud sharp- is an SBS. All right, whatever. That's <laughs> it's her. It's her. Uh, it's pretty specific. I know. Anyone coming yeah, in late it, will be like, "What?" It's a. It's a metal holy stick. Okay, I actually metal don't mind that holy stick. Her holy stick. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll go with that. Um, all right. So there was that, and then one other point I just wanted to throw out here, or something I noticed is. Uh, if, if no one picked up on it, there's this, when Alicia is putting the jar of pictures by the graves in the, in front of the graves in the jar, um, you can see someone pass by in the background. (laughs) Oh, really? And, and I don't know if this was supposed to be a zombie or if it was supposed to be Charlie or if it was just a mistake, 
and they decided not to bother fixing it because it could have been a zombie, right? Um, I thought it was funny. Someone passes by way in the background, uh, just between like a building or a couple of trees or something. I thought it was funny. So I'm looking at it right now. That is if you, Charlie. You think that's Charlie? She seems awfully that's Charlie. Funny. She's coming around from behind. Yeah, that, that's Charlie. Oh, okay. The person you saw was Charlie going into frame and then out of frame. Then they changed the camera angle to behind uh, uh, Alicia, and then Charlie shows up. All that right. was Charlie. Okay, fair enough. I'll 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 go with that. I wasn't sure. I thought, huh? I think maybe some of the crew just passed by there. <laughs> no, it's Charlie. All right, fair enough. Okay, well, that is. Season four, episode 10 of Fear the Walking Dead. And I really wish I liked this episode more than I did because it's Alicia, my favorite character on the show right now, except for yeah. maybe John Dory. But um, I really wish I liked it, but I just didn't. And I think there was a lot of problems with this episode. So it's a huge bummer for me. Yeah. And I'm sorry that uh, you didn't feel like I did. Uh, which was I didn't care enough about this episode in order to come up with a list of problems I had with it. Mm, yeah. Because I gave up early on. You uh, were uh, way indifferent. After. Yeah, I just, I, it's like, okay, yeah, bottle episode, they're going to figure things out and become best friends. Yeah, but that's, I mean, let's, let, really quickly, like another bottle episode, like the Cheesemaker episode, how come that works so well when you kind of know that Morgan is there and he's going to come out better on the other side, it, but, it, but it's still a really it's good episode. It's hard when you got Lenny James and the guy from uh, Fargo that says, I'll make you some eggs. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you got those two actors together, <laughs> like I come up with his name. I don't know his name. Uh, the Cheesemaker. Uh, you're going to have a solid episode. But, but, but right? you know what? I guess now you got a, you got this uh, untested actress and a little girl. Well, with bad writing. Hey, maybe that's the thing is that the Cheesemaker episode had had some writers on staff that were uh, not pulling it out of their ass for that episode. It's like they gave somebody a homework assignment saying, go write this episode. This is just the plot line. And they couldn't figure it out. And they came back Monday morning. It was like, well, I wrote this in the bathroom this morning. And uh, here it is. <laughs> and everybody went, well, well we're, we're making this show. We're out of time. So we got to <laughs> film it. We're out of time. So yeah. that's it. <laughs> I mean, that that's a good point. I mean, in my opinion, the writing in the Cheesemaker episode of, of Walking Dead is far superior to what we got here. And, you know, when you think at other about other bottle episodes, um, the uh, Clear, also involving Morgan, you know. Right. But also Andrew Lincoln and Chandler and Denai, you know, another great episode. And when you think about it, you don't really know in either of those cases where the episode is going to go. Whereas this one, it seems pretty obvious from early on. Once Charlie is introduced in the episode, you're like, all right, well, we know what's going to happen here. So, so th think of it this way. If you had this episode shot for shot, like exactly the same shots, uh, the entire episode with different dialogue, better dialogue, would this be a better episode? Slightly. I still think the, um, the convenient, zombie save by falling out of the tree is kind of weak, but, but better dialogue would have helped a great deal. Well, you're what right. What if they that. found a family dog in the house? There was a picture of a dog, right? What if they found the dog and the dog ran off in the storm and then later on the dog came and opened up that door? No, not good. It's still not good? <laughs> still not Saved good. Saved by a dog? Come on. <laughs> hey, I what love What if it dogs. was a Dalmatian? <laughs> I hear they're the dumbest dogs. 
Yeah, but they're fireman dogs. That's true. You gotta love them. It's true. They're they're pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, in all seriousness, better writing would have helped. What if I it was a bear? I don't she think she showed up and and was looking for food. Would that be better? <laughs> and, and and then they stabbed it with the uh, with the shroud or shot it with the gun or both. If there was some way for Alicia and Charlie to have set something up that resulted in saving themselves, it would have worked better. Okay. Train a bear to ride a unicycle <laughs> and pick locks. You can't train a bear to ride a unicycle. <laughs> Sorry. Can you train a bear to pick locks or break chains? Uh, well, they wouldn't need to pick locks. All right. They just stand up and push on the door for a while, and that sucker will open. Okay, fair enough. Care who you are. Somehow figure that out. This is, you know, speaking of going off the rails, I think the <laughs> podcast is now off the rails. So let's uh, move on and do yeah. some listener feedback right now. Listener feedback. Jason, first we're going to do some feedback about this week's episode. And then I have a number of follow-ups from last week that I want to get to. So um, make sure you're ready for that. And everybody, make sure you stay tuned for that. Do I have to be mentally prepared to be berated for getting things wrong? Because you hinted at that earlier. You know, I, I don't know about berated um, because uh-huh. because I've I've filtered out the important things that you need to know. So, you know, you have me as a buffer between like the email and what gets included here. Right. Um, but, you know, maybe prepare yourself a little bit. All right. I'm, uh, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm not, I'm looking forward to it. I encourage this kind of engagement because uh, I'm not infallible and uh, I probably get stuff wrong more often than not. All right. Well, so I encourage this kind of thing. Okay. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. First, though, I want to go through some of the feedback for this episode, episode 10. Sure. <laughs> Where the listeners don't know that we screwed up yet. <laughs> That's right. Not yet. Everything is perfect for now. Yeah. Um, Jack on the internet writes, and we already touched on this a little bit, but Jack wrote in and wrote, so if I know the gimp, I'm guessing we get a half season of the storm with standalone episodes on how each cluster copes with it. I'm not sure if that's good or bad or just his style. So we talked about this a little bit. We're going to, it seems like we're going to visit in with each of our groups of characters yep. independently, and then they're all going to come back together somehow at the end. And I thought this was maybe just a quick, a good moment to quickly review um, once again, where everybody is. Uh, we now know what, ha- what has happened with Alicia and Charlie. We have Strand and Lucy missing, and the house has been damaged. That's what we learned in this episode. Uh, we saw we saw that. Uh, we know that Morgan is not in his truck, and his like covered truck is sort of de- destroyed. Right, looked like uh, the school bus is overturned, which magically, you know, you've already mentioned. Yeah, it is weird. And you know, everybody else is scattered out in the rain somewhere. We don't see where. Uh, John Dory is, um, he's with Strand. We don't know what the latest on them is, and we don't see what the latest on uh, June and, and Althea are. So, right. um, so that's that. So I think we're going to get that as we go on. Um, seemed pretty obvious to me, but maybe it'll surprise us, right? Yeah. I think that we're not going to be surprised. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, 
Ultimately, though, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing or a bad way to tell the story. It just seems like it's kind of very obvious at this point. So we'll have to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm interested. All right, Sean on the internet writes, At the beginning of the episode, I loved the little parallel between the dead bodies on the lawn and the family members posed in the picture on the wall. Nice bit of narrative continuity. I agree. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you're not the only person that liked that. And I'm obviously in the minority <laughs> amongst you, me and Sean. I found it entertaining. Okay. Very good. Uh, Justin on our Facebook page writes, love the characters, but every, uh, but this episode was a bit slow. Honestly, it was very well shot though. Great scenes and the ladies acted wonderfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tend to believe they were doing the best they could with the material they were given. So, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think Alicia and Alexa did okay. Yep, I agree. Good. Bad writing. I agree with you that it's bad writing. I think that if it was shot for shot, but with better writing, it would have been a much better episode. Yeah, it would have certainly helped a great deal. Uh, Dominique on Facebook writes, some scenes were long, I understand the goal of the episode, but it missed the mark just a little and felt more boring than useful to me. Right. So that's that's another uh, take. Uh, and then Melissa on our Facebook page writes, I actually thought this was the best episode of the entire series so far. I don't think anything could make me or I didn't think anything could make me like Alicia or Charlie, but the writing and acting were Really great here. And by the end, I honestly did care about them both. The basement escape was a little hokey, but overall, great episode. So, you know, I love I love the fact that I can complain so much and, and I'm sitting here feeling like a dick for complaining so much and, and feeling like maybe am I overreacting? I don't know. Um, but it's amazing that people like Melissa can have almost the the opposite reaction to me and that's one of the things that sort of makes this whole thing so fun yeah i don't know who's wrong though or <laughs> wronger one one of us clearly is <laughs> yeah <laughs> right uh well thank you you guys for writing into our our facebook page uh but graham on the internet sent an email and said solid episode very character driven. The show always shines when it takes the time to slow down and remember these are humans dealing with an extraordinary situation. I found it interesting that Alicia is trying to save or trying to forgive Charlie or at least accept the possibility that Charlie had her reasons for doing what she did. This email from Graham, uh, I mostly, well, at least the second half, 100% agree with. I do find it interesting that Alicia is going through these things, but it, to me, felt like it was rammed down our throat too quickly, and it wasn't given the time to breathe and develop on its own. That's my problem with it. Yeah, it was just a little too forced. It was way too forced, and uh, it it's it's a great idea. It just needs to needs to be approached at the right pace. And, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's good. Finally, Alex in Seattle writes Sunday night's episode with Alicia and Charlie was outstanding, 
Both Alicia Debnam Carey and Alexa Nissenson were flawless. I thought Alexa was especially great considering she didn't even talk for half of the episode. And when she did, her lines were delivered with conviction and uh, feel usually done and feel usually done by a more mature actor. She has that uncanny ability to act with her eyes, as we've seen with Rick, that can carry a show a long way. So, Alex, um, I think it's wonderful you feel that way. I don't know if I quite would go that far comparing her to Andrew Lincoln's eye acting, but I do think Alexa um, was pretty good in the episode considered, all things considered. You know, I think she, I think she's doing a good job in this episode. In the last episode, I think she's doing a doing a good job. I think she's a, a good actress, and I think uh, we're looking. I'm looking forward to a lot more better writing and better, uh, not better acting, but uh, acting with better writing. Sure, and I've never had a problem with her at all in the previous episodes she was in. You know, interacting with uh, with some of the other characters and her role in the story, I think, has been really good and really important. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Alexa Nissenson is, is, is good. Um, here she was, in my opinion, handicapped a little bit by some of this stuff, but, but probably one of the better parts of this episode from my perspective anyways, in my opinion, than, uh, than anything else. So, so really good. Right. Okay. Uh, some follow-ups from last week. Now regarding, um, Jason. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's me. I spent a whole weekend with a with a guy named Ian, so I was you know, I was gonna call oh, you. Well ironically, uh they my parents actually called me Ian for like two months before they changed it to Jason. Really? Really? Well there you go. That's interesting. So uh from now on I'll call you Ian. Please don't. <laughs> that won't be weird at all. Yeah. Well, uh regarding whether an average human body could be flung like the zombies were in a tornado last week. Oh, great. Excellent. This is a question we posed, and we got an answer from our resident MD, Dr. Chris in Toronto. Awesome. Uh, whom is not a person we know personally, but has written in a number of times. Dr. Chris wrote in, water weight is about 50 to 60% of your body weight. So in an average adult male of 70 to 90 kilograms, that's maybe 50 kilograms of water. I'm a doctor and not a meteorologist, but I'm sure, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure a tornado can fling a 70 to 90 kilogram adult around regardless of whether they're drained of their water weight. Right. So Dr. Chris is saying it's possible even with that, you know, 50% water in your body. Okay, good. <laughs> do, you, do you believe that? I, I, I'm still not totally on board. Well, it but. depends on, you know, uh, 100 miles an hour, 100 mile an hour wind will throw you around. A 200 mile, or mile an hour wind will pick you up and make, make you, you someplace make you fly. far, yeah. far away. <laughs> right? It all depends on the, the intensity of the storm, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I would assume that if the winds are high enough, but uh, I don't know if they'd fly around like they did. Basically, we just it was windy, mm -hmm. and then bodies were flying, were falling onto the truck. Right, right. It didn't strike me as uh, you know the the truck would be like moving around. Uh, anyway, I, I I don't know. Yep. Um. Yeah. I. So there's definitely stories of hurricanes and tornadoes picking shit up and throwing it a mile away. 
right? Like semi trucks. Uh huh. So I'm sure that a tornado can pick up a person and take them on a weird and wonderful journey into the land of uh, being minced and diced in midair and pieces of you flying all over the goddamn place. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I just, it looked like the conditions that they were in at that time weren't uh, strong enough for the bodies to be flying around unless they were completely depleted of blood and their water weight. Uh, you, you're telling me I could lose like 30 pounds just by stop drinking. <laughs> I mean, I don't recommend it, but it sounds like maybe you could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just need to up my salt intake to absorb that water. You know what I mean? Right. I'm then what could go wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with eating more salt and eat more sponges. Yeah. I don't eat enough sponges. I don't think. <laughs> Very good. All right. Great. I got a plan. <laughs> yeah. More salt, more sponges and, less, uh, less drinking, yeah. less drinking. Good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, staying on that topic, um, let's see, uh, Anwen back to her from New Zealand also wrote in, uh, in addition to her title read, she said, I don't have a problem with a body being flung about by high winds or tornadoes. Uh, example, the cows in Twister, but did you guys notice that in the scenes with the flying zombies, the trees in the background were completely still, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's in the details, right? At least in Twister, everything was a rocking and a rolling, and the cows were going mooing, and uh, they were flying around being uh-huh. comic relief. <laughs> right. I like Twister. I thought it was fun when it first came out. I thought the special effects at that time were phenomenal. Mm hmm. Because they were. Well, very good. Phenomenal. And Bill Paxton effects. could do no wrong. Of course. I still think that Bill Paxton could do no wrong. All right. Fair enough. He's still alive, right? As far as I know. Okay, good. Yeah, but the trees in this uh, in this episode or last week's episode were not moving at all. Um, Jennifer in Minneapolis also She's wrote an dead. email. What? Bill Paxton's dead? I am now officially grieving. All right. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, oh. I, I was trying to say Jennifer in Minneapolis also pointed out that she saw a program on TV once about Storm Chasers, a different show. Right. And... She said they actually had footage of a minivan flying through the air during a tornado. So wow. wind can can move some heavy stuff. So a body is not really out of the question. Right. I don't think. Um, yeah. And then uh, sort of finally on this topic, I think we've got Phil in Kansas City. He wrote KC. I assume that's Kansas City. And he wrote a bit of a longer email you know, accusing us of being, um, quote unquote, haters on last week's episode. So sorry, Phil, for for my assessment of this week's episode, (laughs) if you were unhappy with the way I thought about last week. But he he wrote a number of examples of um, how we were really hard on last week's episode. But I decided to take his bit about, you know, this sort of flying zombie thing uh, out of his email. And he wrote, you are being way too critical of the special effects for a show that must have a fraction of the budget it used to and even smaller than the main show. Could you really not just let yourself get into the idea that the storm was massive enough to blow away walkers? I know the effects for this were pretty bad, but it was painting a picture. And, you know, I think that's a fair point. However, I'll be honest with you. My biggest problem was not really that it was unbelievable that the wind would blow them away especially now that we know that it probably is possible but that it looked 
bad. It looked, it was poorly done. And I don't like to just say, well, they don't have the money for the, the effects because that's, you know, lame. That's not, I, I think there's probably ways to do things even with a smaller budget that aren't going to look as bad as it did last week. Well, yeah, I, I don't, I guess the only thing I take exception to is being called a hater. Hater is hate because for the sake of hating, mm-hmm. we don't do that. We pick things, we nitpick, we may be too picky, but when you have that deer in the walking dead that Andrew Lincoln or uh, Rick was trying to shoot from the Ferris wheel, that was bad. Yeah. That was bad special effects. There's no justification for that level of horrendity, if I may make up a word, on that show. This, yes, it probably doesn't have the budget, but uh, they could do better. Yeah, they can do better. Exactly. And I, and, and, there's there's no excuse like it's it looked bad it was bad the idea behind it i'm coming around to i wasn't sure at the time but i'm okay with it now but that doesn't change the fact that those effects look bad so right um yeah anyways that's a lot of follow up on the the flying zombies let's move on to the next thing here and we're going to start with a call from gary guys 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 come on Go back and watch the episode again. You've watched it twice. It was easy. The notes pinned to the zombies and pinned to the walls and pinned to the wood. Look at the bloody nails they were using. And then the bloody big nail gun that was sitting there. It's not hard work. You can tell you guys don't do DIY. Take it easy. Love on the program. Gary from Corby, North Ants in England. Take care. All right. So, Jason, we complained, mostly me. Yep. About the the nails and, and why they were outside and why they were stuck to zombies and this and that. Apparently, and you and I missed it, uh, I should just say I missed it, but you didn't correct me, that they showed a, a, a nail gun, a big fancy nail gun in the episode. And that's how that guy who Alicia was trying to rescue was nailing notes to zombies and nailing notes to, you know, the stuff outside that room he was stuck in. He was shooting nails out and maybe missing a zombie with it, and it was getting stuck out there. <laughs> well, two things. Uh, one, yeah, obviously he's not using a hammer to nail notes to zombies. I just, I guess I didn't correct that because I just thought it was obvious. They showed a nail gun. That's that's no problem. Nail guns don't have range. They don't have a range of more than contact. Mm-hmm. Nail guns are set up to shoot a, shoot a nail when you have physical contact with something. They're not a gun, and nails don't aren't shaped like bullets. They're not fired like bullets. They don't spiral. Uh, if you shot an, if you rigged up a nail gun to shoot a nail at range, that thing is going to start to tumble immediately, and it's only going to go like four or five feet. Right. It well, has no range. There's no way you could get that to shoot uh, a long distance. And as far as being able to uh, saying that you don't do DIY, I do DIY, but nail guns are expensive. That's why I don't use them <laughs> because they're them. like three, $400 and you have to have a compressor. Uh, if you buy an electric one, they're even more expensive. Nail guns are expensive. Right. I use when I use nails, I use nails. I use, I, that's why I like screws. Sure. Because I have a screwdriver. They're relatively cheap. An electric yeah. screwdriver. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, you know, I do a fair bit of like, you know, maintenance around here and I consider myself moderately handy, not ex- really handy, but moderately. So that's it. But I also have never used a nail gun. So fair right. enough. Now, a lot of people wrote in to us to point out this nail gun in the episode. And I will fully admit I didn't see it. I I must have blinked at that moment. 
I didn't understand that there was a nail gun. Um, but so I completely missed it. Sounds like you didn't, but you sort of discounted it in that it couldn't be used this way anyways. No, you can't shoot nails at range. Well, like then just anytime you see that in a television show or in a movie, you immediately have to raise a red flag and call bullshit because they're designed not to be able to shoot at range. Right. Because well, they're dangerous when you shoot at range and they don't want them to be a, uh, an alternate firearm. Of course. They want it to shoot nails into things. A listener, Dan in Durant, Iowa, wrote in on the same topic, and he said, of course, nail guns don't work like that. They have safety features to make sure that you can't shoot them like a real gun. Even if he bypassed the safety features somehow, I don't think that you could shoot a nail that far, but I don't have any actual evidence for that. But yeah, clearly it's true. You cannot shoot a nail that far. They have this, you, have you ever, you've seen a nail, right? You know I, what a nail looks like? I sure do. Okay, it's got this big fat thing on the end and it's long and thin. Uh-huh. You shoot, you try and throw that like a dart. I mean, darts are designed the way they are to be able to fly straight and true. Mm-hmm. Bullets are designed the way they are because when they come out of the barrel, they're spinning really fast and it's like throwing them like a really, you know, small, fast football, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a lot more accurate. You try and take a nail and use it as a dart from a foot away from a dartboard and see if you can get that thing to be in there. To stick in stick in the dartboard. Yeah, yeah, not impossible, basically. Well, it's not impossible, but it's not very likely. I mean, you can throw like knives. You could, but you tumble the knives uh-huh. right the, the right way. You don't just throw it straight. I guess you know professional knife throwers could do that because they're awesome. But no, he's absolutely right. You cannot. You they have nail guns have safety features, and even if you disable those safety features, you don't have a range of thirty feet. Right, of course. I went axe throwing a couple of weeks ago, which was oh, really cool. fun. Um, that would be fun. But yeah, you don't, like, you have to tumble, as you said, the axe towards the target, and then it works. So you can't just sort of, like, try to throw it straight. <laughs> it's like a bicycle wheel, right? right? It's You're spinning it, it's got centrifugal force, and it keeps you upright. You know, scientists are not really sure why that works, but uh, it does. Right. It's been proven. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there you go. Um, And then I just wanted to say that another listener pointed out that um, even if you could shoot a nail like that, you you probably wouldn't get the note on a regular piece of paper to like stay on the nail as it's flying through the air. The nail would just sort of rip through it and the note would fall to the ground and the nail would end up somewhere else. So Uh, what you really need in that case is an attractive assistant to hold the piece of paper next to the piece of wood so that when you shoot the nail gun, it goes into the nail, into the piece of paper and sticks to the wood. Right. So there's a lot of problems with this and I don't mean to, you know, make excuses for why this doesn't still doesn't work for me when to be hundred percent fair, I completely missed the nail gun altogether, which is, which is my bad. But regardless Maybe he got out and ran around nailing notes to the outside and then went back in. You see, Jason, this is why I think the whole thing was dumb. Because <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> what is dumb? Yeah. No, those nails outside don't make any sense. Nailing to the to the zombies does make sense with a nail gun. And even when I saw the, the nails in the zombies, I thought, okay, that's probably done with a nail gun. Now, just back in my mind, because I just, I can't imagine somebody sitting there with like, a mouthful of nails and a pocket full of notes holding a note up to a zombie and then uh, taking a hammer and going ding, 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 go stand still, ding, 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 until it gets in there. Mm-hmm. And then go, okay, okay, go little buddy. Just yep. okay, Turn around. get your friend in here. Turn around, go ahead. <laughs> go the other and way. Go on to the next one. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Okay. Well, let's move on. Um, 
one more follow-up message here about something we were uh, wondering about, not last week, but uh, a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week, actually. Anyways, um, no, it was two weeks ago. It doesn't matter. Uh, Nia from London writes regarding the use of the word gag when it comes to walkers. Do you remember walker zombie gags? I think Scott Kimple said that. Nia writes, just wanted to drop in to say that in special effects makeup, a gag is a dynamic makeup effect. Most often something that bleeds. So an arm being lopped off, causing blood to spurt. Or someone's stomach being sliced open and organs spilling out. Or an infected wound oozing pus. I believe that's what Gimple meant when he said walker gags. This isn't really a term you'd come across unless you're in the industry or a makeup effects nerd. So it does often confuse people when it's used in interviews. I was confused. That's an excellent explanation and probably makes a lot more sense than what we thought. Right. It's not walker jokes. <laughs> it's it's specific <laughs> you know, Walker effects that they call gags and uh, it does make a lot more sense. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I don't like to leave things. I yep. don't le- like to leave threads hanging. And I think so that who one, said that that was Scott Gimple that said that uh, it was Scott Gimple who, who referred to Walker gags. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Scott Gimple. Uh, all I can say to that is uh, stop using an industry jargon that confuses people. Right. Please stick to the terms that everyone knows. Yeah, special effects. Just say special effects. Say practical effects if you have to, but (laughs) special effects, just don't say gags if you don't mean jokes. Right. Because most most of the world thinks of a gag as a joke. That's right. Okay. But now we know. We know better, and uh, it's all thanks to Nia in London. Yeah, thank you for that. That's much better. All right. That is all the feedback for now. Thank you so much to everyone for writing and calling in. We will be back next week when we are going to talk about the next episode of Fear the Walking Dead. If you'd like to get your title or get your voice on the podcast, record a title, read for us. You don't have to sing. You can just say the episode title if you want, or you, you can... Yeah, you don't have to be in the Beatles in order to uh, <laughs> to do a, a, a title read. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, I mean, it helps, but you don't absolutely have to. So <laughs> It's not going to hurt, that's for sure. No. Paul McCartney? I'm just saying. If, yeah, he. Yeah, if you want to do a title read, Paul, come on in, M- Mr. McCartney. That's fine, uh, sir. <laughs> yeah, sir McCartney. Sir McCartney. Do a cart. Do a title read. You know, if you happen to be in the Beatles, if you happen to be in the Rolling Stones, if you happen to be in ACDC, do a title read. But you don't have to be. No, right? You don't have to be. Is Ringo Starr a sir as well? Is he knighted? He deserves it. So but I don't know if he is. So I don't think kind of kooky. Is. Yeah, I don't think he is either. Um, but um, as the serve him right, drummers don't get knighted. Don't give me that shit. Drummers don't get knighted. <laughs> there might be one. I don't know. Come on. Um, you know, as one of the two remaining Beatles, I would accept his title read as well. Is all I'm saying. Oh yeah, that uh, Liverpool accent. That'd be awesome. I yeah, I'd totally take Ringo Starr for sure. <laughs> Ringo's awesome. All right. Uh, but if, you know, if you're not in the Beatles or some other, uh, rock band or anything else like that, and you want to do a title read, by all means, read the title. Next week's episode is called The Code. So lots of potential there for good title reads. Uh, and- That'd uh, be good for Keith Richards. Just saying. Okay. I think Keith Richards could knock that out of the park. (laughs) Very good. Uh, all right. Hopefully one of those- 
people does a title read and sends it into us. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to do that or just get in touch with us in any other way, what you need to do is send email to talking at gmail.com or visit our website and click on send voicemail to record a message into your computer, which will come right to us. And as I have been saying lately, of course, you can use the voice memo app on your phone. If you have one, that's a great way to get really good quality and send it into us. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Those are all the ways to reach us, and we appreciate it when people do all the time, no matter what you have to say. So please do. Cool. Uh, all right. We'll be back next week to discuss The Code, which is Season 4, Episode 11. And damn, Jason, I hope I like it more because... I was really looking forward to the second half of season four here, but now we've had two episodes in a row, which have been a little underwhelming for me. So I'm really hoping they um, turn things around, at least for me next week. I expect that it will happen. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, We'll have to wait and see, though. Uh, We'll be back then. And until then, my name is Chris. And I've been the Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.